0: previously on Give Them In Pause. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know how the selling begins? How? God,
1: when you're hungry, when you're hungry and mm-hmm. you look at your kids and you look at your wife and you say, hey, we got to eat tonight. So what do you do? There's a couple things you can do. You can go and you can get a job or you can believe in yourself to go out and sell your brain
0: and there's a billion people on this planet a billion somebody is going to like what you have but you have to be consistent you have to do this day in day out you got to constantly go for it today on gigadaming powers most most authors can't market their own stuff to, to save their lives
1: yeah yeah like, and I you can't think even get, talk about the
0: books in, a, in an interesting way
1: yeah marketing is hard like um you know it's hard because there's a lot of barriers too right um because it's hard to get into bookstores it's hard to get in front of people in general that want to hear you you know blabbing about something that you're really really interested in or you wrote specifically um and it's also, too, even if you get the business principles down, I mean, it's just a huge, huge, huge amount of people publishing these days with self-publishing becoming a thing. So it's hard to stand out.
0: You are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back! My name is Guy Hasson and this is Geekdom Empowers! Geekdom Empowers is the podcast that highlights creators and fans in the geek world who do not often get to be highlighted. It's these people, it's us, who make up almost all of the geek world and by talking to each person, by hearing their stories, Geekdom Powers creates a huge, giant, world-sized quilt of all the geeks all around the world. Each person is a story, and together we are one story, one huge geek verse quilt. And I try to give you uh, as many different uh, sides as possible because obviously I'm never going to talk to everyone. And I want to give you a picture of everything that's around you and uh, stuff you haven't heard about, like the stuff we're going to talk about today. Today we're talking to the author known as Zelda Knight or Zarya Knight. Zelda writes erotic sci-fi and fantasy romance and is a cryptozoologist in training. By the way, I think we failed to talk about that. That's, that's too bad. If, <laughs> if you remember, uh, in his episode, the author Donald DeKopecky talked about her as they co-edited the Dominion, an anthology of speculative fiction from Africa and the African Diaspora. That's its name. She also became an independent publisher, which we will talk about for anyone trying to create something, this episode is for you. Zelda has a lot of experience and a lot to talk about, so let's begin.
1: My name is Olivia Raymond, uh, pen name uh, author Z Night. I go by Zelda and Zarya depending on what genre I'm writing. Um, so my background is Basically, pretty academic. I actually started and am actually still in um, academia doing history work and um, Black Studies work. Uh, but about five years ago, I started a, a publishing company called Aurelia Leo, and um, my aim back then was actually to change a uh, turn. My original interest, which was interactive fiction, um, visual novels, and other forms of story-based uh, video games, yeah. into a publishing company. So I wanted to take a lot of the stuff I was working with in games and make print books out of them. Right. So let, me um, well, let me stop you
0: there. Let me stop you there because, like, all those things were really interesting. And I wanted to, you know, go into them. So, like, interactive fiction. Uh, what kind of interaction fiction? were you would where'd you start? Uh, Liking it before we started doing it, and you know.
1: Yeah, I think um, I was always into gaming and reading, um, and so actually, um, I'm really big into anime, mom. And all that good stuff. Um, and so one day I ran across what they call ultimate games, which are basically romance dating apps um, that involve storytelling and choice-based um, storytelling. So mm-hmm. you get the date to do right, uh, but you get to choose: do you go to the cafe or the movies, right? And so I was like, this is basically a romance book plus a game plus art. I love this. This is everything. You no, know, I'm really interested in. And so I started getting deeper into the community, playing a lot of indie games because I just played games a lot. And I realized there was a lot of Westerners doing similar things, not specifically Ultimate, but a lot of similar type of storytelling. So I said, Oh, wow, I'm really into in this. Um, I joined a forum that's still pretty active today. A lot of people have moved to Discord these days, um, but Limassol Forums um, that created the open source, open source uh, game engine called RenPy, R E N. Um, apostrophe P-Y, right? um And so, started with Pie and just started making games, right? And it was a really amazing experience. It got to be a of lot fun- of yeah. what, what kind of games did you make?
0: What kind of games did you make? Like, what games did you make? What were the plots of the story?
1: Uh, Ultimate games, I was making romance games because I'm a romance author. So, I was yeah. making a bunch of romance-based, um interactive fiction Ultimate, other games like that. <laughs>
0: And with the puzzles in the games, like a lot of graphics, with because I come from in the eighties, we just had text uh, interactive games.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's not um it's not analogous to tabletop gaming. It's a it's a little different than that. Um, but it's uh it it's basically you have the story choices throughout the game. Well, I can't think of. Something off the top of my head that's not a visual novel that a lot of people have played, but it's very straightforward. You know, um, there's images a lot of times, at least these days, there's voice acting and animated images. A choice pops up on the screen, you make the choice, and it changes the story from there, right? So you just have branching storytelling. So it's very straightforward. There's nothing too complicated. You're not like doing quests or duels or things like that. A lot mm-hmm. of people do add that in, like go add RPG element, but Especially what I was working with, it it was not, you know, I very rarely did like maybe a turn-based, you know, battle system or something like that. But nothing too intricate. It's basically focused on the story and the choices you make and the outcomes you get from the choices that you make.
0: And you were a programmer in that or a writer only?
1: I was a writer. I did some coding because RemPi is really, really well documented. And even if I'm I'm not a good, I'm not very uh, good at math or skilled at all. Um, but you can make a very simple game with RemPi and you don't have to have like Python experience, which is the um, code is based on. Right. Yeah. So I did coding. I did a little bit of art, but I'm not, you know, the greatest artist. Right. So I say all that to say in my early games, I did basically everything other than like, getting free resources like music and stuff, stuff I couldn't do, but I made everything myself. As it went on and you build friends in the community, you get people that, you know, are really good at art, someone that's, you know, good at writing. Not, you know, to my own horn, but that's my specialty, right? You get somebody that's really good at voice acting, et cetera, and you can make more complex games. But it's very easy, even nowadays, I would say even more nowadays, because you have so many more resources um, to make games solo, especially interactive fiction, where sometimes depending on what engine you use, you don't even need the artwork component. It's really just the text itself. So just depends on what you're using.
0: Okay. And then how do you decide to form a company of your own? Like how does that happen?
1: Yeah. So I was um, making games. I had uh, incorporated, you know, business, but it was just an LLC where I was making games with. So it was just, just for fun and a little added protection for myself. Cause you know, when you're paying people and you know doing contracts, a it's usually good to have a little bit of protection. So I had a company before, but as I was saying, I really wanted to move into um, books itself because I've always been a writer, um, very interested in the written word, publishing in general. Um, and so I wanted to turn some of these into art books, into, uh, you know, uh, you can't use the term choose your own adventure, but basically choose your own adventure style books for these Ultimate Games. Um, but it took a real left turn because then I got really into um, publishing not that. <laughs> so um, my original intention um, starting um, what was called Radiant Crown Publishing back then was to take the story-based games to turn them into text-based games. But it transformed this into sci-fi fantasy and, you know, my specialty romance um, in general.
0: Okay. So how did that go? Like, how you started your own company and then what
1: happened? I mean, I, I just started it. <laughs> I, I have um, business so I just started to see, got some contracts together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, started it myself.
0: How how did you get the, you know, what you published to people? How did you find people who wanted to uh, to buy it, to play it, to read it?
1: When it came to, I think you're asking like finding people to produce the books, like illustrators and stuff like that. Or uh, are you talking about authors.
0: No, no, I'm talking about the audience. I'm talking how did you find an audience? The audience. Oh,
1: um, well, like I said, I already kind of had a built-in audience, yeah, from uh making games. So a lot of uh, a lot of people followed me over, were interested from that. You know, it's not like I had a huge, you know, best selling audience, but they were interested in the new project I was doing. Um and from there, you know, uh Any business you do, it's um, based on marketing and advertising. The principles are the same, no matter what company you go into, right? So you take courses on um, ad spending, um, take courses on relevant, um, how to place relevant ads for what you're making, right? So Amazon ads that had similar books to what I was publishing, Facebook um, ads targeting uh, demographics that tend to read, you know, the things I'm I'm putting out. So if it's a middle grade targeting uh, older parents, right? If it's a romance novel, usually targeting women between the ages of 20-something to 40-something. So it's all the you know, same basic principles um, of any business. Um, it's really honing in on marketing and advertising. Um, and then I obviously always um, it's struggle up too, right? So uh, I got a mass influx of people interested in the company when I put out the um, co-edited anthology Dominion. And once that Kickstarter was really successful, that brought in so a flood of new people really interested in what they call the back catalog. So, all the other stuff I've published. So, well, you know, it, it's a bunch of trial and error, like any business. Yeah. It took five years to really establish. Um, like, I know I can, you know, pay, say, my light bills and this off of how much projected income is going to come um, from a publishing business. Right. But it's, um, you know, it's, it's a low margin. It's a hard business to be in. For, <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you have the big, big billion dollar <laughs> publishing companies, all the kind of mid tiers that get eaten up by the billion dollar companies in the indies like us. Right. So it's a it's a real complex ecosystem, but it, it can be rewarding. Uh, and like I said, it's a mixture of just basic core business principles in luck, Right. So if you're not like a really famous author, and you start a publishing company or you don't have like a really, really big um bank account like for say for me i had money saved up for doing commissions um, from writing um as my uh, side career but it's not like you know i had a million dollars in the bank right i had to start slim uh, lean startup kind of concept but yeah the, uh, basic marketing principles and you know look you know you you'll have hopefully the book that really stands out and draws in the audience that you really want that that becomes interested in everything else you're doing
0: most, most authors can't market their own stuff to, to save their lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like, you can't even get, talk about their
0: books in, a, in an interesting way.
1: Yeah. Marketing is hard. Like, um, you know, it's hard cause there's a lot of barriers too, right? Um, because it's hard to get into bookstores. It's hard to get in front of people in general that want to hear you, you know, blabbing the bus that you're really, really interested in or you wrote specifically. Um, and it's also, too, even if you get the business principles down, I mean, it's just a huge, huge, huge amount of people publishing these days with self-publishing becoming a thing. So it's hard to stand out. Um, but, yeah, it's it's hard. Like, I, it's not really any advice you, I could give that you probably have not read online, read some book that you picked up, read it, listen to in a podcast. I mean, it honestly is know the principles. And sometimes you literally get lucky, <laughs> like the algorithms just favor you that day. Someone that really really likes it starts chatting about it in all their little groups, and they all come to your book, right? But yeah, it, it's hard. It, and all I can really give advice is do don't listen to the gurus per se, but you know get those basic fundamental principles, and you know just stay persistent because most people. I will say 99.9% of people are not going to be an overnight success. Overnight success is a long process. It took me five years to have what I would consider a a well, well selling book, right? So, you know, most overnight successes, look at their back catalog, look how hard they were working before that. It takes a while,
0: unfortunately. (laughs) Interesting. You know, I want uh, most of my audience is an, an audience of science fiction and fantasy and not necessarily romance. Can you talk a little bit about the science fiction fantasy elements in the romance books, like how those fit together?
1: Yeah. So for me, I write a lot of lot of a um, uh, cross between alien romance, which falls into the sci-fi side, and a mixture between fantasy and urban fantasy, um, also romance, right? And so it's like a lot of things you've grown up with, probably teen dramas and other things like that. And if you're into the big names, especially in urban fantasy, it's the same kind of element, but it's, the story is so central, but the romantic arc is what people are looking for in those types of stories. So they want the ghouls, they want the demon investigators, they want the slayers, but you know they want that romantic arc, that happy ever after. And so I've been, you know, an avid reader of urban fantasy, fantasy romance, urban fantasy romance, paranormal romance, alien romance for a long time. And so I decided, man, you know, maybe I could write this. You know, I've been doing a lot of technical writing. I've done creative writing a lot. I'm like, I've read enough. I think, you know, I'll give it a chance. Right. Um, and so I put out quite a few books now. But, yeah, it's um, I'm really into those cross sections of the romance. Um, romance subgenres
0: if you'll say and how do people react when you know you you uh you get the libido up you get you know you get them emo- really emotional your books are emotional what happens when they meet you like what kind of reactions do you get
1: um, you know it's across the spectrum it's like any book right sometimes they love it and sometimes they hate it right a lot of times it falls on if they like the main character or not right um I tend to write not I wouldn't say sassy main characters but I, I write very kid-strong women <laughs> in my romances and so some people are like they eat it up they love it and some people are like mm, she's a little you know she talks she's a little too talkative she's a little too abrasive right. Um, But, you know, I I enjoy the whole spectrum because sometimes you get really good feedback, right? Something's not working in the story. Something's not working in the romantic art. Um, Sometimes you just brush away the comment. Like, if you look at that history, I'm like, "Eh, you probably just don't like romance. I don't know why you clicked on this book. (laughs) You know, based on the search history. Um, And then sometimes you get, like, really emotional reviews that, you know, keep you writing. Like, sometimes I'm like, man, you know, that royalty check didn't look too good or I'm not feeling that great about you know my stories, and then I'll read a review. Um, sometimes um, a person that consistently reviews our work, and I'm like, this is why I keep writing. This is the person right here that really enjoys my work. So full spectrum, but yeah, um, I think uh, especially in romance, it's how much they connect to the main character and are um, you know really drives the re- the response they have to it. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: makes sense. So. Uh, When did you meet uh, Donald Ekbecki?
1: I've met him, uh, man, it's been almost two and a half years now. Um, I published a short story of his in one of, it's defunct now, but one of the um, magazine's um, semi-pro magazines I had going called Celine Quarterly, he submitted a story to me, and I thought it was just, you know, really interesting, really different, right, um because I'm really into the diversity and spectrum of sci-fi and fantasy in particular, and also um, I do more on the movie side, but I do publish and read horror uh, too, um, and so I felt it was just something a little unique, right, it was a little bit post-apocalyptic, a little bit fantasy, it was a little bit of everything, right, and I really like genre remixing mixing, like, I don't like something that's like Strictly sci-fi, strictly fantasy, strictly horror. Like I like things that are kind of, you know, not I would say slipstream, but like they're not, you know, strictly strictly in that genre. They're really playing with elements from all of them, and that's what um, his story really had. Um, and at the time, uh, as I said in the beginning, um, I my main day job, kind of, you know, academic side, is in Black Studies and History, and so during that time, I was thinking of putting together an anthology of uh, uh, black speculative fiction and so i would i read his story and i was like man wouldn't it be interesting if someone from the diaspora someone from the african continent got together and curated some stories from both ends right um mm-hmm. and really try to um you know try to get that different perspective because you know depending on where you are you kind of have a lens of how you see the world and you know interact with things so i was like he would probably bring a perspective similar to his story that i couldn't really get as a black American, right and so i was like you know I approached him on a whim i had this really awesome cover art that i was interested in getting um and i had the idea but i didn't really have you know how do I say, I didn't have the other half of it where I was like thinking of black science fiction, black fantasy, and then I was like, no, I really wanted to be a more, you know, cohesive, inclusive thing. Um, and so, yeah, I reached out to him just see if he would be interested. He didn't really have a publishing background. He seemed to be, you know, strictly into writing, but I was like, maybe together we could co-edit something. And bam, Dominion was born. Um, and, you know, not again, not to my own horn, but I think we did a pretty good job of that, and I'm interested to see more collaborations uh, between um, Africans in the diaspora, when, especially in the sci-fi fantasy realm, because I feel like we both offer something unique to it. And when we combine it, it just, you know, gets even more weird and amazing.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. And what are your, like, what other projects? Like, We did, have you done more projects like this? Like- not necessarily into the romance novels, but, you know, um, something yeah. different?
1: Yeah, so right now, we actually, it was just announced, um, Tor tour, um, picked up a project that's co-edited between myself, Apeki, and Cherie Renee Thomas um, called Africa Risen which is gonna be coming out in 2022. And it's a uh, kind of oh. similar concept to Dominion, but you know, obviously much bigger b- budget um, <laughs> of a lot more authors, so we can get a lot more diversity of stories. Um, So I think people, if you enjoy Dominion or you're just interested in sampling, uh, especially African versus um, African diaspora, but African aspect of fiction, I think um, you'll really enjoy that upcoming anthology. <laughs>
0: that's interesting what is well toy is huge it's 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 uh it's one of the biggest names what is when you say there's a difference in budget like how much in like is it that where does it come out is it in how much you pay the, the excuse you don't have to answer the question but in in how much you pay the different writers or the oh or
1: yes so uh, so for example well, most of the stuff I put out um, through Aurelia Leo has been self-funded or funded on, you know, the returns, right? So sure. if I make a profit, I can, you know, put out a new book or, you know, I take from my own check, put it into the company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Dominion, to put it into perspective, we spent, the was the money raised about $8,000 um, to, you know, get that together, right, um, which is... A lot of money for a small press, right? It's not a huge sum, but it's a lot of money. I can't, you know, the schools and advance and all that stuff. But just to put in perspective, if you just look at the table of contents of Dominion and look how many more people are on um, Africa Risen. Um, you can see a lot of expense is paying authors, and I've been very consistent. Even if I can't pay pro rates, I've been very consistent that authors need to be paid. We pay pro rates for Dominion, and that really um, how many authors we could put in that book because pro rates, you know, they rose to, um, eight cents per word to science, uh, mm-hmm. science fiction, writers of America just rose it, um, raised it like a year ago. All right. So paying pro rates, um, and we, Pay pro rates again for um, this upcoming anthology. It's really the bulk of the budget, um, right? Uh, it's paying authors. And it's like any company, paying the employees usually ends up being the bulk of the expenses. So, um, just if that gives you a rough um, estimate, uh, if, if you look at the table of contents of tour versus Dominion, you'll see that the paying the authors part gives you a lot more flexibility and a lot more leeway of who you can accept and what stories um, you can tell, especially when it comes to anthologies. Hmm. Interesting.
0: And here's the thing. Like, you have great authors here and you have great authors here, but do you feel that the authors who are used to getting paid more, which is the second... uh, anthology are somehow, I mean, I'm guessing they have more experience and they're more professional, but maybe they're not as hungry and as uh, um, active in their voice, in the thing they're trying to say as the authors who are not yet used to getting paid well.
1: Hmm, that's an interesting question. I wouldn't say they're not as active, but I will say, Having published a lot of authors, I do feel people that are making their first sale or, you know, making, you know, some, uh, you know, their newer into their career, they're willing to try weirder stuff, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, it's not that pro authors don't put out some excellent stuff, but it's excellent in the craft, if that makes sense. Like, it's very well written, you know, the, the plot, the story, the ideas they put into it. And newer authors might have rougher materials. You know, it's not that it's not edited at all, but it's rougher. Some of the, you know, pros, that's lyrical. But they're, you know, I have noticed that they, not that they're less active when you're pro, but you just get really out of the box stuff from newer authors. They're willing to push boundaries where I've seen pro authors, you know, they just consistently put out great stuff if that makes sense. Where newer authors, they have a lot of bombs, and then sometimes they just hit a diamond, and you're like, whoa, like, where did this come from? Like, this is, like, really, really out here. So I think that's really the difference. When you become a real pro, you're just great at just putting out consistently good stuff. But when you're newer, you can have a lot of stuff that needs to, you know, stay in your hard drive or, you know, stay um, in your desk, but you have some stuff that's like, wow, like, I haven't seen something like this in a long time or ever, yeah. really.
0: Interesting. I'm, yeah, there's more fire, I think, to the people who are coming up. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is there, like, what I'm trying to do is get a complete like picture of how you created the world. You know, you, you basically, it's called Gigdom powers, and you've clearly used, you've empowered yourself. Uh, uh, to do the thing you like. And that is amazing. Is there anything I missed? Is there anything that, you know, you want that we didn't cover and you want to cover?
1: about this? I'd say the only other thing that we didn't cover um, when it comes, um, you know, talking about empowering geeks, you know, doing the things that you really love. Like, you know, I, I did as a Plaza Blur, The Black Nerd. I'm really into, a lot of stuff that's becoming, you know, really mainstream. Actually, like people are talking about stuff that you know they would have not would not have talked about when I was younger. Um, but I think something that's really special about it is that. Even when, you know, things get tough when you get on the business angle, you always get reinvigorated when you're doing something love, right? Like, I can't tell you myself five years ago, if I was to say I could make money, you know, writing dash and alien warlords and, you know, beautiful black princesses, I I would like, you know, tell you, you're probably pretty insane. So I think that's the one thing um, I've consistently surprised that people want the same type of nerdy out there self that I'm really into and they're really into it too and willing to pay money, which I, you know, would have never imagined.
0: (laughs) Nice. and Crazy question, but I've been starting to ask it uh, people because there are so many uh, uh, companies like Netflix and, you know, companies coming up. Have, Have you gotten any offers for any of the books? No,
1: unfortunately, I've never, no one's approached me to offer should not work, but hey, if you're listening and you're in film production, I got a huge back catalog that you'll be interested
0: in. Interesting. Maybe, maybe so. Romance always works, right? Yes. Romance and science fiction, I I don't think it's been done enough in uh, TV shows. So thank you very much for joining us and for being on the podcast and sharing your story. It's been really great.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Thank you so much to Zelda Knight. You can find Zelda here. Homepage is authorzknight.com Twitter is at authorzknight Z-O-Z depending on where you are. Instagram, authorzknight TikTok, at authorzknight and there are tons of actually other links uh, which you can find at authorzknight.com slash links. Now, Next time, because there's always a next time we go into the world of creating a science fiction convention. Join us for that. No ticket necessary. What did you think about this episode? Email me at guy.hasson at geekthemempowers.com. That's guy, G-U-I dot H-A-S-S-O-N at The website is geekthemempowers.com. On Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, we are at geekthemempowers.com. But my name is Guy Hasson. If you want to check out my other podcast, The Squash Bucket Diaries is an experiment in uh, epic fantasy. Feel free to check it out. I will see you next time. And for now, have an empowered day.